Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I have to, out of the gate, say two things. First, you should text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. You can follow me all over social media. You should be following me on Instagram. If you have Instagram, it's my favorite social media platform because I can put up all my pictures of what I'm cooking travel shots, things like that. It's just the most personal one where I'm most likely to engage with people as well. But you can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Rumble, you name it. Um, And you can also get the show notes. The very top link takes you to my daily writings. Uh, The other thing I have to say out of the gate is that uh, Philip puts together the show notes for me. I get up in the morning, I outline the show. I say, these are all the things we're going to talk about. Here are all the links. And he organizes it for me, throws in some extra stuff he's seen, and out goes the show notes. And today was his personal Vietnam. <laughs> if you don't know what that quote comes from, I'll tell you. But today was Philip's personal Vietnam. He, he did the whole show notes, and it all got erased. Um, wasn't his fault. Server side problems. Wiped it all out. He had to start over, was left scrambling, and he did it. So, <laughs> I, so I've got a friend of mine who refers to things as his personal Vietnam and people who don't know tend to get offended with him. Like he goes to the grocery store and there's no milk. He's like, this is my personal Vietnam. Uh, or he, there's no parking spot. It's his personal Vietnam and people get offended by it. What people forget is that this is actually a statement from Donald Trump back in 1997. He was asked about not having, <laughs> not having served in Vietnam and he's, no, he didn't, but, you know, with all the women he bagged, he never got an STD, and that was his personal Vietnam. <laughs> so, uh, losing all the show notes today, that that was Philip's personal Vietnam. So, I, I, I have to commend him. He was very frustrated. Many, many, many bad words were said on a conference call earlier today as he was logging into the call. But now, I must move on to more important things. Um I got to play you a couple of bits of audio here. Let me let me get them lined up. Uh, this is important. One of them I've got, but one of them just came out, and I had to flag it for myself to be able to play this. Um, this is two clips from the governor of Florida about the China situation. This is Ron DeSantis. I just want to make a comment about what we've been seeing going on in China. Uh, this zero COVID policy... Uh, is draconian, uh, it violates people's liberties, and it is completely unscientific. And the people of China are right to be able to speak out and protest against what the Chinese Communist Party is doing. This CCP has a maniacal desire to exert total control over its population. Zero COVID is really just the pretext for them to do what they want to do anyways. And that is not a model uh, that can work over the long term. The people in China are finally speaking out uh, against it. And and I just think we need these draconian uh, COVID policies to go to the ash heap of history where they belong. That's Ron DeSantis. One more clip. This is most notable. In China, you know, there's reports that Apple is not allowing the protesters to use this airdrop function 
where they're trying to communicate. That obviously is providing aid and comfort to the CCP. And so you see that report and that's very concerning. And then when you also hear reports that Apple is threatening to remove Twitter from the App Store because Elon Musk is actually opening it up for free speech and is restoring a lot of accounts that were uh, unfairly and illegitimately suspended for putting out accurate information about COVID. That's like one of the main things that's being reinstated. So many things these experts were wrong at and you had people on Twitter that were calling that out and Twitter, the old regime in Twitter, their response was to try to just suffocate the dissent. And, and, and Elon Musk knows that's not a winning formula and so he's uh, providing free speech. And so if Apple responds to that, uh, by nuking them from, from the App Store, you know, I think that that would be a huge, huge mistake and it would be a really raw exercise of monopolistic power that I think would merit a response uh, from, from the United States Congress. And so, so uh, don't be a vassal of the CCP on one hand and then use your corporate power in the United States on the other to suffocate Americans and try to suppress their right to express themselves. And so I'm glad, I'm glad things are changing at Twitter. And I know there's a lot of work to do with big tech generally, but, um, uh, but this is big progress. And we're that was Ron DeSantis uh, speaking in Florida at an infrastructure event in Florida. If you listen to this program, you know I'm an Apple fan. Uh, I, I genuinely am. I've got my MacBook Pro right in front of me. I've got my Apple Watch charging while I'm on the show. Got my iPhone over here. Um, I I love my Macs. I've got Apple TVs in the house. Everyone in the family who has a computer has a Mac. Uh, I am a very big fan of Apple. I think they make great products. The integration between hardware and software is fantastic. Uh, they make some of the best software because they make the hardware that goes with it. I am deeply disturbed by Apple's dependence on China. And I understand why they have the dependence on China. It has allowed them to make cheap devices. Apple devices are expensive, but if they made them in this country, they would be far more expensive than they are. They can produce things in China at large scale for less money, and that has made sense. They are trying to divest over time from China. They're moving as much production as they can out of China to Taiwan, which probably isn't smart, uh, but also to India. I think they've tried some in Brazil. They're even bringing some back to this country. It is remarkable to me, though, how useful to the Chinese communists Apple has become. There is a function on iOS devices. That is the operating system for Apple's portable devices, the iPad, the iPhone, iOS. It's called AirDrop. It's also built across Apple's platform, including their, their computers. It's called AirDrop. And uh, there's an AirDrop option where you can send things to your contacts, you can send things to everyone. You can set your, I'll pull my iPhone out here. If you swipe down, um, yeah, I don't have mine set up for that. So you go into the phone and you go into settings and you search for airdrop, all one word. And you can see airdrop. You can get uh, receiving off. You can get uh, contacts only, so you can receive stuff only from people in your contacts, and you can receive stuff from everyone. 
And there's a little note under there that says, Airdrop lets you share instantly with people nearby. You can be discoverable in Airdrop to receive from everyone or only people in your contacts. And in China, the protesters were using Airdrop to share information with people so it could spread out very quickly. So someone could take a picture of something happening, they could airdrop it to all the people around them who could then airdrop it to all the people around them and spread it out very quickly. And because of Chinese communist policies, they got Apple to turn off that feature. So you could only share with everyone for up to 10 minutes and then apparently not at all if press reports are to be believed. So Apple shut down a key way protesters were communicating to placate the communist Chinese. In this country, it is well-known and well-documented on a bipartisan basis. Senator Mark Warner, who is the uh, ranking Democrat chair of the Intelligence Committee in the Senate, is warning parents to get their children off TikTok. It is, in fact, a Chinese surveillance operation. The Chinese are both influencing the algorithm on TikTok to feed uh, bad information to Americans and also using TikTok for potentially facial recognition and other information. In fact, we know from some reports that the Chinese have used TikTok to track and monitor people around the world, including Chinese dissidents. TikTok is nefarious. It is not a good program. TikTok has direct ties to the People's Liberation Army in China. It is bad. You and your children should not be using TikTok. The chairman, Democratic chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee agrees with Donald Trump about TikTok. Apple is more concerned with Elon Musk allowing people to exchange information freely on Twitter than they are a Chinese surveillance operation happening through an app in the App Store. Apple is more concerned about people being able to say whatever they want online than they are the Chinese police state spying on Americans through Apple hardware. The priorities of this company are screwed up. You can be concerned about Twitter and Elon Musk, but denying access to that app, when you can you can set the settings to avoid that stuff. You can still do it. I've got my settings set so that if if you don't follow me, I don't see your responses to me, and I can easily mute and block you too. Apple could do this. Apple could allow you to do this, but instead they want to stop it. Now, Elon Musk, he doesn't have to allow Apple to do this. Uh, Apple has no requirement to allow Twitter in. And Apple doesn't have to provide ads for Twitter. Apple was the biggest advertiser apparently on Twitter. They've stopped advertising on Twitter to voice their concerns. And, and they don't have to give their money to Elon Musk. Elon Musk is, is screaming and saying this is a violation of his free speech. No, it's not. If Twitter died tomorrow, we would still all have our free speech rights. Twitter is not about free speech per se. It's a company that allows you access to say whatever you want. And Apple doesn't have to do business with them. They don't. 
But Apple doesn't have to do business with TikTok either. And Apple doesn't have to do business in China. It doesn't have to sell its phones in China. It can make them there. It doesn't have to sell them there. But it does. And so what's striking here is not that I want Apple forced to advertise on Twitter or forced to have Twitter in the App Store on Apple's devices. It's that Apple is making a choice to side with authoritarian communist dictators in China and not with a CEO in this country who wants free speech. Now, Elon Musk has similar problems in China that Apple has. Elon Musk has allowed the Chinese government through Elon Musk's technologies to censor people. Elon Musk is no friend and purist of free speech when it comes to China any more than Apple is. It is striking that both of them, though, or where they are. They're doing business with an authoritarian regime, making the compromises necessary. The difference is that in this country where we have free speech, Elon Musk supports it aggressively, and Apple still siding in this country with the communist dictators, allowing their app TikTok, which is a communist party, communist military-run surveillance machine masquerading as a harmless social media site. They're allowing it in their platform while screaming about Elon Musk and threatening to take down his Twitter app because the audacity of Americans being able to communicate with Americans and say what they like. And by the way, you don't have to see the tweets if you don't want to see the tweets. I don't care whether Apple or Twitter do business with each other. What I care about is the distinct hypocrisy that Apple is allowing the communists in China to use Apple to harm the protesters who are yearning to breathe free. And in this country, threatening to silence a man who is opposed to the idea of censoring Americans. Apple is, in fact, clearly on the side of the authoritarians. And I wish they would do better. Being on the side of China and not on the side of free speech in this country is a terrible look for a company like that. The holidays are the most exciting time of the year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep ever, which is why you should be sleeping under Bolin Branch sheets. They're made of the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. And I got to tell you, I was on my front porch the other night. I'm just going to go off the script they gave me and tell you, I convinced a friend of mine through this ad you're hearing right now to buy them. And he said he and his wife got them and she couldn't believe he paid for Bolin Branch sheets. They're not that expensive. He took advantage of the deal, but she's like, oh, sheets like this, they must be super expensive. They're not. And then she was like, really? That was after the first wash. Now they've had them for two years, and he says they are the softest sheets ever. Every wash, they get softer and softer. I'm telling you, he's a believer. And now his wife's like, can't we buy Bowling Branch for every bed in the house? And he's like, we can, and they're going to because they're the best sheets. So here now with Christmas, it's time to take advantage of this incredible deal. 25% off site-wide plus free shipping when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolinBranch.com. That's BolinBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Like my friend, who's a preacher, yes, 
They get softer every wash. They're the best sheets you will own. BowlingBranch.com, promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but daylight saving time, it's racist. This is a, this is a new one on me, but this is from uh, Jacqueline Howard at CNN. Daylight saving time sheds light on lack of sleep's disproportionate impact on communities of color. As the United States rolled its clocks one hour this month to observe the end of daylight saving time, many people got a bit more sleep than usual, but some not as much as others. Growing evidence shows that lack of sleep and sleep disorders, such as obstructive sleep apnea, remain more prevalent in black, Asian, and Hispanic or Latino communities. And these inequities can have long-term detrimental impacts on physical health, even raising the risk of certain chronic diseases. Meanwhile, daylight saving time itself enacted in the U.S. to reduce electricity usage by extending daylight hours has long been controversial. The American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the Sleep Research Society, and other medical groups that have all gone woke, by the way, have advocated for ending the practice, calling for the adoption of permanent standard time that would not involve shifting forward each spring and falling back each autumn. Daylight saving time is associated with increased risks of sleep loss, circadian misalignment, and adverse health consequences, says Beth Malo, professor of neurology and pediatrics at Vandy. She authored a paper in September detailing the potential health benefits of adopting permanent standard time. In March, the Senate unanimously passed the Sunshine Protection Act, which would make daylight saving time permanent. Now sleep researchers worry about the potential effects that continuing to change standard time twice each year may have on sleep health inequity. Not inequality, but inequities. That's right. It's racist. Although there was a significant increase in the prevalence of insufficient sleep across all groups in a study, the prevalence of short sleep increased 6.39 and 6.61 percentage points among black and Hispanic or Latino adults, respectively compared with 3.22% among white people. Several social and environmental factors could interfere with sleep are more common with black and Hispanic people. Goodness, it depends on where they live and all of that. Just just to cut to the chase here. Good grief. Everything is racist. When a tornado rolls through, it's women and minorities are hardest hit. It's always like that. So predictable and laughable. Uh, can we just pick one and stop changing? That's all I want. I don't care which one it is. Just pick and stop changing. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. 
They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you would like to be on the program. So we got to go down the rabbit hole of absurdity. Before I do that, I want to play you a notable comment uh, from the British Prime Minister. Now, let's be clear, the so-called golden era is over, along with the naive idea that trade would automatically lead to social and political reform. But nor should we rely on simplistic Cold War rhetoric. We recognize China poses a systemic challenge to our values and interests, a challenge that grows more acute as it moves towards even greater authoritarianism. Instead of listening to their people's protests, the Chinese government has chosen to crack down further, including by assaulting a BBC journalist. The media and our parliamentarians must be able to highlight these issues without sanction, including calling out abuses in Xinjiang and the curtailment of freedom in Hong Kong. I appreciate the British Prime Minister's words. Joe Biden has largely been silent on the protesters in China, uh, saying they're speaking for themselves. He doesn't need to speak for them. Uh, You know, George H.W. Bush, during the Tiananmen uprising of the 90 or 91, um, George H.W. Bush was criticized for not speaking aggressively on behalf of the protesters. And I have to tell you, uh, my initial reaction on Biden not speaking out for the protesters in China was that he should. And and I've actually had to rethink myself on this. Um, The Chinese want the Chinese people to believe that the protests are an American plot. If Biden speaks out aggressively for the protesters, he plays into the Chinese government's hands. Uh, This is something I think a lot of people don't understand. We do need to keep our perspective about this. As much as I wish Joe Biden would speak out on behalf of the protesters in China right now, we do have to keep in mind there is a large segment of this billion-person nation that is hyper-nationalistic. And President Xi plays to that hyper-nationalistic sentiment. And if Joe Biden speaks out for the protesters, President Xi and the Chinese press are already seeding the idea that it is an American plot to disrupt China. If Joe Biden speaks out on behalf of the protesters, and takes up their cause as his own, 
it provides fuel to the fire for President Xi to go to the nationalist elements in his country that have been mad at President Xi for not invading Taiwan and say to them, see, see, this really is an American plot. And what happens to the protesters at the hands of the nationalists in China will be far worse probably than what she might do to them, and he will do badly to them. We got to keep that in mind. Sometimes our initial gut perspective on this may not be right, and mine was, why is the president speaking up for these people? And it struck me very much as uh, in George H.W. Bush, in 1991 in Tiananmen, uh, refused to speak up for the protesters there, was roundly globally criticized by Western partners, and Bush was trying to build a relationship with China. A lot of people looked at that. I was too young really to even form an opinion of it. I was in Dubai at the time when it happened, I think, still. Uh, so maybe it was 90. I can't remember in any of it. Um, Bush didn't speak up, was criticized. He wanted a relationship with China and, and thought if he spoke up, he would not get that relationship. Uh, this was at the collapse of the Soviet Union. The world was in realignment. He was trying to bring China to the West. Uh, and for a time, it looks like his gamble paid off. Keep in mind, he had been the head of the CIA and the ambassador to China. He kind of knew Chinese culture there, had ties with the Chinese, trying to bring them on board. And for several decades, it actually worked in our advantage, frankly, as, as terrible as it was, even with his criticisms. And I, But I, he still should have spoken up for the protesters. And, and what was said in this country was not said as globally. He was not as aggressive. Others were... And he should have, I think, spoken up more for the protesters. And I get why he didn't. My initial reaction on Biden was he should speak up too. It's nice that the prime minister of Great Britain has spoken up after a BBC journalist was beaten and kicked by authorities in China. It's nice that the British prime minister has spoken with some moral clarity on the protesters there. But the more I think about it, and I'm willing to be wrong and your mileage may vary. This is this is not one of those first matter things. But I understand that if Joe Biden spoke up loudly and aggressively for the protesters in China, it would embolden President Xi with the nationalists in China who want him to invade Taiwan it would provide Xi ammunition and fodder to feed to the nationalists that this is all an American plot and could actually do us more harm than good. I think it's different from Iran because in Iran, you have it's more of a binary than in China. In China, you've got the nationalists who don't really like Xi. You've got the communist hardliners who like Xi. And you've got the middle class who don't like him. So you've got two groups that don't like him, one group that does. You speak up loudly, uh, you play into the hands of, of Xi with the nationalists and get two against one there. In Iran, it's it's more of a binary. You have the people versus the power. In Iran, there's not really a third party that hates the power but also hates this middle-class people who uh, Americans weighing in could be persuasive. In Iran, you've got uh, largely the people who we should be speaking up for against the leadership there. There's no third party that could be persuaded to stand with the leadership if, if Joe Biden spoke up. They're, they're not duplicable situations here. You've got a three-party situation in China, only a binary situation in Iran. We should be speaking it very clearly there. And in fact, to his credit, I actually do think the Biden administration has been moving pretty aggressively and standing for the people of Iran 
including pressuring Western companies to stay out of Iran. One of the uh, things that has gone, I I actually think, underreported is that Iran is providing drones to Russia in Ukraine. And when the Ukrainians shoot down the drones, they are finding that the Iranian drones are being made with parts supplied by Western companies that are supposed to not be doing business with Iran. And the question is, where are they getting parts? Now, we know that there are a lot of European companies, particularly European financial institutions, that have largely ignored the boycotts and embargoes against Iran. And a lot of Western countries have turned a blind eye to those companies ignoring uh, the embargoes. They're going to have to crack down now. They're going to have to do something. We need to stand up for the people of China and the people of Iran, but I don't think that you can do the same thing in both situations. There are ways to help, and I honestly think one of the ways Joe Biden could help in China is to persuade companies like Apple to not side constantly and repeatedly with the Communist Party in China, or if they must, to slow walk changes. Now, we got to move on dramatically from here because I got other stuff to talk about. And one of them is about the herd. I am, I, one of my concerns with Twitter is how so many people on the left and the right can get into bubbles on Twitter. I'm actually, I'm, I'm in an email chain right now. It's been going on during commercial break of some friends of mine who noticed that people who are hyper online they speak in dead languages. What I mean by that is they say things and phrases that appear online that people who are not highly involved in social media, particularly highly involved in, in uh, Twitter, they wouldn't understand. And you can tell someone who is always online, they don't relate in ways they think things that are online matter, matter offline in ways they don't. And I see this a lot on the right. Uh, a buddy of mine actually just texted me and says he sees it's uh, attack Beth Moore Day on, on Twitter. I like Beth Moore a ton. Uh, Beth Moore has actually been deeply influential in ministry to both my wife and my daughter. And it pains me to see people online uh, deal with her in a way I don't think Christians should deal with each other because I don't doubt her faith at all. Even if she and I may disagree on some things within the church, I think she is, one, a delightful, absolutely delightful human being. Um, I have only met her in person once, and she's just salt of the earth. And I see the people slamming her online constantly. They don't like various things she's done. Um, and it, it's almost like a, a pile-on, uh, and it, it, it strikes me as, as behavior I don't think we should engage with other Christians in necessarily, um, with very few exceptions to that, particularly someone like Beth Moore, who has really helped uh, deepen uh, the, the theology of a lot of women. And while I can disagree with her and quibble with her on on some of her theological views, as as we all can with each other, I don't think there's any denying the fact that she's committed to glorifying God and all that she does. And I just bring up that example because I got this text of of people that's like everybody, hey, today's the day we're going to pile on her. 
and people regularly pile on her. I, I think she's just become used to it and, and turns the other cheek as she should. But people get in a bubble, and in that bubble, that tribal bubble, they do things. And I, I think social media can bring tribal bubbles for everyone, and people on the right can get in bubbles. And maybe to some degree, I was in an election bubble thinking the election was going to go very well and, and did not really perceive that there were a significant number of Republicans, let alone independents, who were so put off by Trump they would punish the Republican Party significantly. Although, again, I still say that election was Schrodinger's wave. If you didn't look at it, it was actually there. If you look at it, it's hard to see. Uh, but if you don't look at it, it was actually there. It just wasn't there where people were strongly tied to Donald Trump. It was there with Republicans who talked about the issues that mattered and ignored Trump altogether. Brian Kemp, Ron DeSantis, Greg Abbott, uh, Republicans in North Carolina, big wins. Oh, Iowa, big wins. Ohio, big wins. The ones closest tied to Trump did worse. But I definitely think whether I or you or anyone on the right or, or conservative evangelicals are in bubbles, the worst bubble is the media Democrat bubble. And there is a great example of just how much of a bubble the media is in. Elon Musk put up a picture of his bedside table. It has his handgun and it has four Diet Coke, caffeine-free Diet Coke cans. This is tweet, uh, tweet from Twitter from Slate.com. The alarming thing in that photo was not the guns. as pictures of Diet Coke. This is Gawker, another left-wing media site. Elon Musk and caffeine-free Diet Coke are a match made in heaven. Two total dweebs. And this is actually the Washington Post. Twitter owner Elon Musk shared a photo of his bedside table littered with cans of Diet Coke, reminding us the power the beverage has. And in fact, this piece at the Washington Post ties Diet Coke phenomenon to Elon Musk, Donald Trump, and Harvey Weinstein. In 2018, the New Yorker stuck a fork in the Diet Coke phenomenon, citing as evidence its unsavory acolytes, including former President Donald Trump and Harvey Weinstein. It is, the magazine declared, the elixir of soft-bodied plutocrats desperate to shed their shady pasts and possibly a few pounds. There literally is an entire article on how contemptible people drink Diet Coke. And if you are not a contemptible person, you will avoid Diet Coke. It is on multiple left-wing outlets and now appears at the Washington Post. Uh, this is a bubble if ever there was one. The group think of people who think, oh my gosh, this guy drinks this particular beverage. So did Harvey Weinstein and Donald Trump. If they all drink water, I'm sure they could come up with the same article or the same the story, whatever it is. It's groupthink, it's a herd mentality, it's it's stupid, and yet we see this in the rest. This is another example, by the way, why why I think Twitter is so bad. Uh, it encourages people on both sides of the aisle to be in herd mentality groupthink. It's absolutely ridiculous, and yet here it is. Um, oh, it turns out Ben Affleck is also another high-profile fan of Diet Coke. Warning, warning, got to stay away from Ben Affleck. So absolutely ridiculously dumb. And yet this is our mainstream media today, stuck in a bubble with the worst people possible. The hardcore progressive woke left. 
one of those companies fighting against the hardcore progressive woke left is Patriot Mobile, but they need your help. All you got to do is take your cell phone service to them. They're a Christian conservative company. They fight the wokes. They've actually funded conservatives around the country to take back the school boards of America, and they've done it quite successfully. 100% of their races, they won. The the, uh, parents, the conservative parents, they fought for to win back school board seats. They won, and they take a portion of their profits that they get by you doing business with them. So... You go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You move your cell phone service to them. You bring your existing phone number over or get a new one from Patriot Mobile. They get guaranteed great service. They use the same cell towers everybody else does. And you fight for the causes that you care about by being a member of Patriot Mobile. Patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can also call them 972-PATRIOT. They have 100% U.S.-based customer service when you call them 972-PATRIOT. Or patriotmobile.com slash Eric. Go do business with them. They're good people, Christian conservatives. They operate out of Texas. Uh, their, their chairman's actually over here in Atlanta. Uh, they're just good people, and they really do take a portion of their profits and give it to the causes conservatives care about because they share your values. This isn't a branding thing. It's actually how and why the company was created, and they do a great job of it, battling the wokes, battling the anti-gun crowd, battling the, the pro-abortionists. It's what they do with their money because they believe in the causes like you do. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, 877-973-7425. This hour of the program is brought to you by First Liberty Building. I'm a little bit distracted by the story I'm staring at on the screen. I'll tell you about it here in a second. But I got to tell you, this hour is brought to you by First Liberty Building Loan. If you're growing a business, if you're building a building, If you're buying a building, if you're expanding or buying into a franchise, reach out to them. $750,000 deals and higher. FirstLibertyGA.com. Tell them I sent you. They can help you nationwide, your business. Okay, this is from OutKick. Uh, Do you know who the Liver King is? Uh, The Liver King is uh, this guy. He's got a huge social media following of um, gym bros. And he claims that if you just eat liver and meats, uh, you're going to get in super shape, ignore all the vegetables, ignore the sugars, ignore the pharmaceuticals, just just eat liver and the like. Well, uh, according to this tweet from OutKick, uh, the liver king was on steroids. Really? <laughs> Leaked emails show that the liver king was taking almost $12,000 worth of pharmaceutical human growth hormone per month, three injections per week, all while promoting his brand of holistic lifestyle, ancestral tenants, and eating raw meat on camera. I mean, they just, they've got this list in this email of things he was taking. My goodness gracious. Um, I just, I'm, I'm fascinated by these sorts of stories. I mean, did people really think he was in shape from just eating raw liver and stuff like that? Apparently some did. Well, I'm sure they'll continue to believe it despite the evidence.